Welcome to Making Conversation, a podcast where we celebrate making in all its forms. From amazing stories of inspiring makers and people to behind-the-scenes peaks of Building Bright Collective, our monthly crafty membership for all things art and craft, and the Making App, the first social marketplace for makers. We believe that the simple act of making can transform your life and in turn change our world. This is why making exists. Today's episode is like a big hug for your soul. I'm talking with Raven Rose, an amazing person I've had the pleasure of getting to know over the past couple of years as both a maker and a practitioner. Raven is a product designer, accomplished herbalist specializing in wound care, painter, and so much more. She is also one of the instructors at our upcoming ritual retreat, and I can't wait for you to hear more of her story. So pour yourself a cup of tea and have a listen. You can find Raven at moonmedicine.co. And with that, here's Raven. I immediately went back to my dreams as a kid and these really intense and powerful dreams I used to have. And um, I remember when I was younger, there used to be these book fairs at elementary school and I was looking for dream books and I would like look for the dream books and I started to journal my dreams and I kind of started to play around with it at a pretty young age, um, dreaming and um, just seeing if I could lose a dream or if I could um, get messages from my dreams and all of those things. And I think that's really where it started. Um, and, and when I reflect on it, it's just, there was so much information that I was receiving about how to um, experience the world that I wasn't learning in my day-to-day like from my parents and I think a lot of that was probably ancestral. A lot of it was just, um, I don't know, just, yeah, I would say ancestral kind of support in my life journey as being this really um, spiritual and creative person, but not really seeing that reflected to me in my waking life. So I would go into these dreams and have all these really powerful experiences and I had to interpret them myself. And that I think was like the beginning of my creative journey. From that younger age, um, dreaming was a really big part of my life. And then I got really into artwork and I did a lot of um, drawing and I kind of took a detour when I got to like teenage years. I was really into drawing and I was into anime for a really long time. And I would, um, you know, I used to like love to watch like Sailor Moon and all of those things and then do drawings of everyone. And I also did a lot of um, just a lot of plant drawings. And that was a big part of my life as a kid um, up until my teenage years. And then my cycle started. And I think when my cycle started, I mean, there's just so much that's happening at that time and we don't really have a practice or education on how to navigate this really big turning point in our lives. And I kind of just shut off my creativity along with starting my cycle and especially having difficult cycles and not being taught about my cycle. I even now, as I'm saying it, I'm realizing the connection between 
hiding this part of myself and just dealing with it and managing it on my own and also shutting off my creativity. Um, and then it was about when I, I was put on birth control because my cycles were really painful and I didn't know what else to do. So I was on that for seven years and I decided to get off because it was just totally messing with my head and my mood. And I was just not feeling good at all. And I was still in pain. So I was like, what's the point? <laughs> um, and then I decided to just get off of it because it was causing me some pretty major health problems. And it was about that time when I really started to get back into dreaming again. I started to get back into, um, I started to dabble a little bit in artwork again and a little bit in playing piano. I, I grew up playing piano as a kid and that also phased out when I got to high school. But, um, once I got off the pill and, and tried to find my own path to healing that opened up my creative journey in a really big way. Again, um, with dreaming, I also got really into meditation, which helped me to just center myself and even know what I wanted to do. Um, I started to play piano a little bit and I started to draw a little bit, but then I went really deep into herbalism and, one of this amazing adventure in trying to heal myself. And I decided to go to herb school. Um, I started a business brewing herbal water kefir and I really loved that. I was like making my own herbal probiotics at home. And I was like, okay, this is great. I want to step it up. I went to herb school, studied women's herbalism and ethnobotany. And then I had an opportunity to go to Yucatan at least um, two times actually and studied womb massage. And that was amazing. And then I did another year of herb school. And after that, I went to the Amazon jungle and lived there for a month in, um, in Peru and studied to become a combo practitioner, um, which is, which was a really, it's a really sacred practice. It's a beautiful practice, um, of basically helping people to clear their body of toxins. Um, and not only physical, but emotional and energetic as well. So that was an amazing experience. All, I mean, the dreams were so powerful when I was in the jungle for that month. And, um, and then after that, I did a year of herbal field studies and, and went down to New Mexico and Arizona and camped out like, uh, one long weekend every month for about a year and got to go and wildcraft and collect plants and just really connect with plants and and the, in a really deep way. And then I I started my practice, uh, moon medicine, and started to share herbs with other people and um, all kinds of womb healing practices and all the things that I learned along the way. And also in there, when I started herb school, I did this project where I was looking at herbs and learning about herbs that my ancestors would have used. And of course I chose to do, to, um, to do my project on the dream herbs. And I did this seven night dream work ritual and it was so powerful. Um, that's actually how I got my name. Raven Rose, uh, was at the end of that dream work ritual. And yeah, so it was just this really beautiful adventure. And then I started my business and things were going really well. Um, and then I got to a point where I realized that I was working way too hard. 
And I was pushing myself way too hard. And I was trying to keep up with all the things that were entrepreneurs are taught to do in order to thrive in, in your business, creating online courses and doing all these things. And I was doing everything because I actually, um, when I was in high school, I got a degree in graphic design. So I did all of my own design work from high school up until uh, the present day. <laughs> um, so that was a lot to do design work and collect herbs and have an apothecary and see clients and create online courses. And I got totally burnt out. And uh, actually, in January of this year, I decided to take a step back from my business. And in taking a step back, I actually um, dove really deep into artwork and watercolor. And so it's been this really nice revival of creativity. And now I'm at a point where I'm actually ready to come back to moon medicine, but bringing the artwork into it and creating ceremony around that critical time in our life when menstruation is just starting. Um, so yeah, it's been a really powerful and interesting journey that's come back to artwork and celebrating that part, that time of life when for me, I kind of like shut down and shut down my creativity. And I can see looking back how it impacted my body and um, just who I am. But now coming back to it after all these years has been really beautiful. So you shared that you found this time in your life when you started your cycle that you separated from your creativity or rather than it kind of stepped into the background more. And I'm curious about the healing journey that you went on. You know, you went through different schooling and on different trips, but maybe if you feel comfortable sharing a little bit about your healing journey. Yeah. So I'm really excited to share this because I have had some really amazing new, um, I would say discoveries or just new insights, but basically I started, it started when I got off the pill and I decided to figure things out on my own. And I remember I switched doctors and the doctor that I went to said, try acupuncture and Vitex. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I started doing some research and, um, you know, I, I did a lot of dietary changes and I mean, I've tried every single diet until I got to a point where I just learned to trust my body when it comes to food. And um, I studied herbalism and herbs were really helpful as well. And um, another thing that I think was really helpful in the journey for me with womb healing was um, recognizing the emotional and ancestral pieces that play into how we see our bodies and how we see our cycles um, and how that is so, that has such a huge impact on how we take care of ourselves and um, the, the steps that we will take in order to um, just care for ourselves. So recognizing that I had those patterns and habits and behaviors around overworking myself. And that really didn't stop until um, earlier this year, January of this year in 2022. So, um, and this healing journey for me started about 
16 years ago um, now. So it was a really long time until I got to this point where I did all the things externally. I did the womb massage. I did the practices like steaming and working with herbs and changing my diet and um, doing working with plant medicines and doing lots of emotional healing and things like that. And I did all of these external things and a lot of it helped. A lot of it helped me to progress and to get better um, until I got to 2021 and my health started to get worse. And I was like, okay, I've done everything. What else could I possibly do? And that's when I decided to take a break from moon medicine and focus on living my life with joy and not working so hard and simply focusing on like, I was like, okay, I'm not going to worry about anything else. I'm just going to focus on watercolor painting and enjoying my life. And that was it. And when I decided, when I made that decision, I actually got reintroduced to uh, meditation in a really big way. I had been meditating for daily for a year at that point. And um, a few months later, I got reintroduced to the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza and I started doing his meditations and I was like, okay, I'm onto something here. <laughs> and I got to this point where I was like, wow, I'm feeling so much better. My body feels amazing. Like, and I know it's, it was the meditations plus my refocusing of my energy on myself and my creativity and what brings me joy instead of focusing on working and trying to like do all the things. So I got back into, I got into these meditations and I started to notice every month I was getting better and better. Starting the meditations, I was at a point where I had regressed so far back that I was taking like 18 ibuprofen in one menstrual cycle. I mean, in one uh, menstrual period. And by, I would say uh, up until now, I, I'm taking like two. <laughs> so it's a huge, huge improvement. And what really sticks out to me about this is I'm not putting so much focus on my external world to try and fix something externally or take something externally in order to heal myself, it's really empowering to be able to meditate in a way that allows me to release beliefs that were keeping me in unhealthy patterns and also connect with the energy of joy and love. And, um, and having this understanding of our bodies being energy and emotions being energy is really, has really helped me. And the meditations have just been, yeah, it's just completely changed my life and helped to restore my own power to heal myself instead of looking externally. And I still love herbs. I still do a massage and I still do all of those things. I think that's really important, but I think more important is being able to release the beliefs that keep us in unhealthy patterns and keep our bodies um, releasing the same hormones and chemicals that keep us out of balance. So, um, and having that power within us, instead of having to look to 
some insanely expensive program or some kind of, I don't know, just exotic herbs or having to like fly all over the world to go do all these ceremonies and all these things. It's so empowering to know that you can put the energy into yourself and see the results and be able to really progress in your own healing. I right now am reading Becoming Supernatural and I last year read uh, the Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. And, you know, I had known about him and his work. And it's interesting because a lot of his work and principles are things that we've heard in many different places. And, you know, very, I've studied Ram Dass for a long time. And so I see a lot of like synergy between these things. But I have everything you just shared about this year. It's like, this is the exact same realization that I've come to is just having healed myself, you know, through many different things, mine being like autoimmune stuff and realizing that actually it's the stress and the kind of ingrained trauma and like the elevated emote, like my nervous system just can't get out of this like place right here. And it's these same emotions that are reinforcing the body and the brain and the body and all that. And so anyways, I, yeah, I'm just like cracking up that we're talking about this right now because last night Carrie was here and I have been going on walks every day and just listening to the book when I'm on my walks and it's funny how, you know, I've read his other book, but for some reason right now where I'm at in my life, it's hitting like his concepts and the, these meditations are hitting in a totally new divine way that, you know, I want to live, I want to break this habit of like, you know, waking up and living this like same hamster loop life. Like I want to, you know, live that higher self life. And that so much of that is through this, these meditations and this different kind of healing and that all those other things are so important, but ultimately it's like our mind or not even our mind. It's our, our heart that needs to heal, you know? So, um, Oh my, yeah, I'm just, I'm cracking up. Like there's, I have something to tell you at the very end too. Um, but I, I love conversations like this when there's some, you know, if you've ever read like Celestine Prophecy, like these synchronicities that happen that you're just like, oh yeah, okay, I'm on the right path. Like I'm in alignment. Like this is, you know, this is reinforcing that. Yeah. And it's so funny because I actually bought um, this progressive course that Joe Dispenza offers in 2021 in February. And I started maybe like two or three lessons and then I it kind of fell off. And, and then my health was getting worse and worse. And then uh, I took that break and my friend, Grace, actually sent me a podcast episode of uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza talking about 
why you're single or something like that. And I was like, okay, let me listen to this. And it was just like, everything was just, it was like, oh my gosh, it was just like bullet points of my life. I was like, okay, it's time for me to jump back into the course. And um, yeah, and I had the time, I had this, I, it was beautiful because I created that time and space for me to be able to commit myself to it. And it's, it worked out so beautifully. And I had the opportunity to go to an advanced retreat in November of this year. And that was extremely powerful. And one of the intentions I had for getting back into this work was I have had a couple experiences growing up where I've, I don't know what people call it exactly. Maybe it's like an, I like an ecstasy experience or like pure love. I don't know what it's, what the proper term is for it, but I remember um, one time just laying on a bed on a cruise ship when I was maybe 19 years old. And all of a sudden I just started, I just like burst out into tears because I just felt overwhelming love. It was just pouring into me so much love, so much love. And it was beautiful and I didn't know what it was. And then it happened to me again uh, in my mid twenties and I was actually driving when it happened, um, but I was somehow able to be present with driving, but also receiving like this huge energy boost of love. And it was just through my whole body and I couldn't stop crying. And I was just so filled with joy and love. And so when I got back into the meditations, I was like, I think, I think that's a really healing energy. I want to connect with that again. And so I had the opportunity to go to the advanced retreat and I was able to experience it again. And now I've since then been able to experience these really powerful shifts in my health and my well-being through the meditations that I've been doing. And in one meditation, I actually finished and I was feeling really dizzy after. I was like, oh, I don't know what's going on. But I was normal. I was like, okay. I just did some cleaning and then I got dizzier and dizzier and I was like, okay, something is going on. And then I started purging and it was just like a combo purge because combo is a, um, it's basically a frog poison that makes you purge and uh, get toxins out of your body. And as I was purging, I, it just clicked in my brain. This is why people use things like combo and plant medicine is to experience this shift in your physical body to the point where you are releasing the parts of you that you don't need anymore. And that was really powerful to experience that through a meditation and not have to take something from somewhere else, you know, in the jungle so far away where it has to go. Um, you know, it, uh, luckily I'm able to get um, really great stuff from my teachers there, but a lot of times there are animals that are harmed in order to get combo. And so to be able to do that without needing this external thing is so powerful and so empowering. Mm -hmm. So I have kind of a random question kind of that came up as you were just sharing, and it has to do with pain. And I'm curious, you know, there's lots of different pains, you know, mental, physical, emotional pain. 
when someone is, whether they're in spiritual alignment or not, but they're experiencing pain, like you have experienced, you know, a lot of physical pain as have I, but there's, you know, obviously also emotional pain that we experience as well. What is your take on what that pain has to teach us? Because that's something that I've kind of just more recently, maybe in like the last year or two, you know, if I get like super sick for a few days or have migraine for a few days and go into like this pain cave, you know, there's often this place where I almost am like, is this happening? So I can release something. Is this happening? Because I'm, it's supposed to teach me something, you know, I don't have the answer yet, but a couple times I've had some pretty interesting, like not euphoric, but like some interesting, you know, dream state type experiences during then, but it's pain is so attached to our mind that, you know, our, our thinking mind. And I'm curious what your kind of take is on all that. Yeah. So it's, that's a really great question because I feel like just speaking from my own experience, pain is so intimately attached to emotions and our mind and our beliefs. Um, and while I never really experienced extreme PMS, um, usually before my cycle would, before my period starts, I would have a little bit of moodiness, but nothing really major. And in the past, I would say year or so, I have noticed how, while I didn't think that I was experiencing uh, a shift in emotions, I definitely was. <laughs> because now that I'm on the other side of it, I can see how pain would come. And with it would come all of these thoughts that didn't seem like big emotions, but were definitely tied to traumas from the past. And would take me down and it wasn't even, um, it wasn't so much, it's, it's kind of hard to describe because it's, it's like this, um, it's kind of like being under a cloud and not knowing that you're under a cloud and everything just seems normal. But then coming out of it, it's like, Oh, those thoughts that I was having were only coming around when that pain was coming around. And when the pain is not there, I'm not thinking those kinds of thoughts. And I kind of created behaviors and like buffers around those times where I was like, okay, I'm not going to make any decisions during this time because I know that I'm thinking a little bit differently. But looking back, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I, cr- I created that subconsciously, just like not even thinking about it. But that's because I was going through a really difficult emotional time during that pain. And I just wasn't really fully aware because I think pain can be really distracting from 
from everything, from life. And it can really spiral us down into a place where the things that we're thinking and feeling feel normal, but they're not. And um, for me, being able to recognize that has been really helpful. Um, But then at the same time, in order to do something about it, it's really just like asking questions and sticking to the daily practice of the meditations, because it's like those things build up over so much time. And after so many years, I mean, I was 16 years old when I started experiencing really painful menstrual cycles. But if I really think about it, the imbalances started way before that. Um, It was just with my menstrual cycles, there was a way for that to be expressed. And prior to that, I had, um, you know, I had a lot of colds. I was really, um, I had a lot of digestive issues and things like that. And so all of those years, all of that builds up and it takes a lot of dedication, I feel like, to be able to release those beliefs and traumas from the past in order to even see ourselves enough to recognize that we're in a pattern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think a lot about Eckhart Tolle too, like as I'm reading the books that I'm reading right now and, you know, he talks a lot about the pain body and both like the collective pain body being kind of the ancestral or just like you know, collective pain under systems of oppression and things like that, but then also like our personal pain bodies. And it's just something that I, you know, I don't have any answers to right now, but it's been one of those things that I I think about, especially like as I'm aging, right. You know, I still have a menstrual cycle, but, um, you know, I'll be 40 in a few years. And I think about like all these changes that are, are happening over the last decade, meaning my oldest is turning 10. So I went from, you know, all through child birth and, and having children. And then now moving into this new phase of like post having children and my body's changing into kind of like perimenopause. Um, And it's something that I've actually been thinking a lot about. And you've actually came to my mind a few times in the last couple months. You know, when I get my period, (laughs) I think about you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And um, I, I think this is a direction that I'm really interested in kind of exploring more. Like it's like the next kind of phase. It's almost like I actually have time right now to start thinking about this in a different way. Um, But I'm curious when, you know, here we are talking about cycles, but there's so many, you know, um, women and people with uteruses that are post-menstrual, like, you know, going through perimenopause or menopause or post-menopause. And I'm curious how have you found like in your womb healing or maybe just in the last couple of years as your teaching has developed more and you're thinking about stepping into this, is there parts of this womb healing that is also 
applicable and very beneficial for them, like people that aren't experiencing, you know, active menstrual cycles? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's the same as, you know, being younger prior to getting a menstrual cycle, prior to starting menstrual cycle and having those imbalances that show up in other ways. And um, I think one, it's just so important to appreciate and connect with our cyclical body because it's, it's who we are. It's, it's self-love. It's being able to um, have that love for ourselves and enough to explore our cycles and phases and beyond menstruating years. I mean, going into perimenopause and menopause, those imbalances, if someone was experiencing imbalances, they don't just go away. Um, they can actually make perimenopause and menopause more difficult. And um, I mean, the classic is having hot flashes. And um, that's something that's so, so common, but it speaks to partially the disconnect because for most of our lives, many people are not taught to love their bodies and love their menstrual cycles in that way. And then also just as a person with a menstrual cycle in a womb, there's, there's a lot that we can hold in our bodies and going through these different times in our lives where we're connecting with our cycles in different way, in different ways. If we're not, if we don't have that connection, it can be difficult no matter what stage of life someone is in. So yeah. And then after, after the menstruating years, it's, we go into the, the time where we have this new relationship with our body um, and the phases and the energies and the kind of um, experiences that we have. So the four phases of the menstrual cycle, uh, the follicular phase, the ovulation phase, the luteal phase and the menstruation phase, each phase has a different kind of um, feeling to it. And we can still experience all of those things even after menstruation. And it's really powerful to be able to connect with each phase of that cycle because it's also connected to the seasons of the year. It's connected to the phases of the moon. And so we have that really special connection to the earth and to celestial bodies that um, we can tap into. And it's such a gift to be able to do that. And so I think it's really important for um, anyone with a womb or a menstrual cycle or anyone who's had a menstrual cycle at some point in their lives um, to be able to, yeah, just step into that mystery because there's so much mystery behind it. And there's so much that we can learn about ourselves and how we can interact with the world. And it's so connected to creativity as well. I find how just like reincorporating painting and drawing into my daily life and seeing how, um, how what I create shifts with each phase. It's such a beautiful, like, playfulness to explore that. 
and to see whether no matter what stage of life you're in, if you're connecting to your menstrual cycle phases or if you're connecting to the moon phases, um, noticing how you shift internally and how that is expressed in what you're creating in the world. I think it's really special. This spring equinox, March 17 through 19, we will gather from all over the world to create a very special place. One where we can expand our skills as makers and learn rituals to help restore our bodies, minds, and souls. Join us for the very first ritual retreat, including nine plus creative care workshops from an amazing lineup of instructors, community, and much more. Become a member of our monthly crafting club for makers, Bright Collective, and receive 40% off your ritual ticket. And we have a special 10% discount on Bright Collective yearly memberships for podcast listeners. Use discount code MAKINGCONVO10 during checkout. You can visit makingzine.com to learn more. I'm thinking back to this time in my life, um, something that you said kind of made me remember, I feel like someone said this to me, like an acupuncturist perhaps that I was going to, but this was about um, seven years ago, I experienced a stretch of late and early miscarriages over the course of a couple of years. And it was a really interesting time in my life where I was very flourishing in my career, but very burnt out. And I had already had one child and so was not thinking about (laughs) that there would be difficulties ahead of me. And through that kind of couple year phase, um, trying to figure out like what the heck was going on. I remember I went to this Chinese medicine acupuncturist and he said to me, you know, you're holding all this trauma in your womb, like your womb is cold. (laughs) And I remember feeling, you know, I had not been kind of on that healing journey yet. And he said, I want you to go home and wrap a scarf around your womb. And I just want you to warm it up. Like it's cold. And there wasn't a lot of explanation that came with it. There wasn't, you know, I was taking a lot of Chinese herbs at the time, but what I remember the the hard part about it was that, you know, here I had experienced some pretty significant losses and felt that pain too, and that trauma in that place. And I think back to that, even though that was, you know, I've since had two children since then and done having children now, but I I think back to that time and realize that like in our bodies, in my body right now, or even just over the years, that that perhaps is where we hold a lot of our trauma. And if, you know, we're not female identifying, perhaps it's that region still, you know? Um, And so I'm curious, you know, I guess I'm thinking out loud and processing out loud as like we're talking here, but kind of what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. So 
it's multi-layered. I feel like it's multi-dimensional, I would say. When we experience some kind of trauma, um, whether it's something, you know, an accident or um, some kind of emotional trauma, physical trauma, whatever it is, the the uh, adrenal glands sit right on top um, of the, like they're connected to, so the adrenal glands sit right on top of the kidneys. The kidneys go down to the bladder, um, which is connected to our sexual organs. Also, we have the psoas muscle that's activated in, um, in a traumatic experience and it's activated during fight or flight or freeze. And that goes down back behind the uterus, um, goes into the womb space, goes down um, into our hips. So physically, this part of our body gets a lot of messages when we are in stress and when we experience any kind of trauma. And our body is made to protect us. And so it will remember these traumatic experiences and I, there's something very intelligent about our, um, our bodies where I almost feel like as people who have menstrual cycles, we have this opportunity every month to release some of that energy that's been stuck in the womb space. And that comes through menstruation. And I can see so clearly how so many people who experience um, menstrual pain or any kind of menstrual like stagnation or anything like that. It's so connected to emotional, physical trauma, any kind of trauma that gets stuck in the womb space, all that stuck energy. And then when menstruation happens and that energy is leaving, it's also emotional energy that's leaving. It's also emotional pain and physical pain that comes up because of the cells actually being um, like the messaging system gets scrambled and that creates inflammation in the body. And so there's this, yeah, this really intimate connection between our emotions and our physical body that manifest in our menstrual cycles and can, and our bodies are so wise and will hold things <laughs> and help us to remember, like, don't go down this path again. Like, you should be scared here <laughs> and, you know, to protect us. But it's because we don't have enough of the um, teachings around um, ceremony and ritual to help us release these things as part of our um, upbringing. And, and many, I mean, most people's ancestors had this knowledge around ceremony and ritual to connect with the seasons or connect with the phases of the moon in order to have those times where we can release. Um, and so because we don't have that and we get really disconnected from our bodies, we have to kind of re relearn how to release and how to allow ourselves that time and space to, um, for healing and for releasing the the energy that gets stuck in the body. So yeah, it's, it's so much multidimensional, but there's no separation between these physical experiences of imbalance and the emotional and, and traumatic, um, 
aspects that are tied to it. It's it's all intertwined. And so the more that we can heal ourselves on a deeper level, the more that we can release what's stuck in our bodies. And also the more that we can move our bodies and connect with our bodies and love our bodies, then we can also help to release those um, emotions and energy that get stuck that cause um, just disorientation and um, dysfunction in the body. Yeah. You know, you've mentioned a couple times loving ourselves and loving our bodies. And I think, you know, it's one of those things that is more common to hear about and to talk about these days than it has been in times past. And because of that, I think sometimes self-care, self-love, these terms are sort of tuned out, you know, or you like, oh, I know what that is, or I don't care about that or whatever it is. But recently, uh, Carrie and I were talking and she shared um, this thing that she had heard. And, and I can't remember if I've shared this in another podcast or not, but it was so profound to me. And it was this thought that when we take care of ourselves, we are sending a signal to the universe that we deserve to be loved, that we deserve to be cared for, that it's like sending out this, you know, higher frequency that when, that when we do that, we are deserving, we are loving. And I think that's so counterintuitive to the systems of patriarchy and capitalism that we live in. And this narrative that is almost pre-programmed, but then definitely nurtured through our life that we come always second or last. And so part of my practice of kind of retraining my brain, you know, because that is really what we've been kind of talking about <laughs> as an underlying theme, like this whole time is kind of rewiring a lot of our thinking or just our knowing um, is sending signals out that I love myself and I care for myself, not just in saying it to myself, but also doing things as an act of love for myself, Show, sending a signal to the universe that I am open to receive, that I am here and that I deserve that. And, you know, that kind of just popped up in my head when you were talking a moment ago. Yeah, I think that's really important. And having that commitment to ourselves, for me, it's been committing to practices that allow me to uh, release beliefs around uh, just releasing those old beliefs that that were keeping me in patterns of imbalance. And meditation has been a big part of that. Um, daily meditation has been so helpful in just exploring myself and learning different ways to connect with myself. And I think that's something that's really important as well is I feel like so much of what we learn is about what we can do for other people and what we can produce in the world and much less so about how we can nourish and um, support ourselves and support our own bodies and our minds and spirits and 
Um, so even things like saying, okay, I'm just going to take some time off and all I want to do is do things that I enjoy and, you know, paint and um, maybe read a book or whatever it is, like taking time for ourselves is, I feel like sometimes such a foreign thing. Um, it's like, if you take time off, you have to do something with it instead of just enjoying yourself and um, having that time and space to explore yourself and, and not having an agenda is, um, yeah, it's just so foreign sometimes. But I've seen how for myself, getting back into painting and drawing has created this space for me to learn more about myself. And um, I think you mentioned earlier something about um, the act of the act of making as a ritual and a ritual for your own alchemical process and self-discovery and um, self-love and self-care and exploration. I think that's really important. You mentioned earlier burnout, and I think that's something that we all experience um, at some point. And depending on your cosmic makeup, I think some of us have more of a tendency than others to um, burn out. And, you know, I, I think the thing that keeps coming to my mind is this word permission. And we often feel like we need permission. Um, that, and we don't in order to step back. And I am curious when you reached this point and you stepped back in January, what was that decision or permission process for you? Like, how did you, I mean, some of us are forced to, right? Um, but really, ultimately, we always have a choice. And yeah, I'm curious what that transaction with yourself looked like. Yeah. Um, so I started to think about and just ask myself where I was looking at my life and I was like, could I possibly do this for another 10 years? Where does 10 more years of pushing this hard take me? And I... I, my health was getting worse and I, I was like, I have to do something different. I can't keep doing what I'm doing and expect for life to get better. And when I asked those questions about, can I, can I see myself doing this for another 10 years? Where do I want to be in 10 years? What do I want my life to look like? What I was doing in that moment wasn't getting me to the kind of life that I wanted to have and what I wanted to experience. And so for me, I was like, okay, well, this is not working. I have to just stop everything. Part of it also was I didn't want to keep telling the same story. Um, I felt I was starting to feel disconnected from my work because I was able to help a lot of people in my practice but my health was getting worse. My cycles were getting worse. And I was like, okay, this is whatever I'm doing. It's just not working. 
I can't do this anymore. I have to do something different. I'm not happy right now. I don't have time for myself. Um, I was thinking, you know, I'm, I'm single and I would like to not be single at some point. I don't have time for dating. Like I don't have time for anything. I don't even have time for myself. This is just completely not sustainable. And I do not want to see myself here in five years from now and let alone 10 years from now. So I said, okay, luckily I have, I had design to fall back on. Um, and I decided to put up my design portfolio and go back into design work and got a job as a UX designer and, um, and actually worked out perfectly because my design job for a long time, there was just nothing for me to do. And I was struggling because I felt I stressed myself out so much when I had nothing to do. I mean, there was things to do, but there would be spans of time where I was like, okay, I'm just waiting on this other person and I can't really do anything until I get this, you know, this thing, this file back or whatever. And I was like, okay, I'm stressing myself out. I have been doing this to myself. This, and that was a really big awakening for me as well, that it, it wasn't necessarily moon medicine and being an entrepreneur. It was how I was approaching it. And it was the beliefs that I had and the ancestral trauma that I was still dealing with around working and just modern day trauma of how you're supposed to show up working. So, um, yeah, I, it was really about where do I want to be in a year from now? And, um, I did this thing for myself where I was like doing a seven year plan and it was like seven weeks, seven months, seven years, where do I want to be? And everything that I was doing at that time, it was like, nope, I don't want to be doing any of this. I have to change everything. And, um, I didn't want to say the same old story anymore. I didn't want to, I wanted to break away from that identity completely in order to figure out what am I actually doing? Cause it felt like just this loop of assignments and tasks and work and where was it actually going? Um, yeah. And it was probably the best thing I could have done for myself to trust that I can break away. It's all going to be fine. And, um, and then, you know, eventually I'll be ready to pick things up or maybe I won't, I don't know, but being comfortable with the unknown, um, was really, really helpful as well to just say, I don't know what's happening next. Right now, I want to do this. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. So let's talk a little bit about artwork because, well, first off, UX design. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, we are, that. this has like been my life for the last, you know, 15 years is, uh, you know, running design teams for tech companies. And I started off as a graphic designer and UI UX designer too. And so I love that. I love that connection. Um, what do you, are you working for a specific company right now? Are you freelancing or what are you up to? Yeah, I have a contract with a financial company that's been, I mean, honestly, the team that I work with has been amazing, super supportive. This has been like the best work environment I've ever had. And I know that I, I had a, a big I played a big role in bringing this 
job into my life um, because it taught me a lot about being able to relax and um, not and being able to let go of those old patterns of, of working really hard. Um, but it's been, yeah, I've been doing design work since high school and got into UX, uh, UI design uh, actually around the time when I started herb school because um, it helped me to move to Colorado. And it's just been, it's always been a part of my life. And I'm so grateful that when I was in high school and my parents wanted me to uh, do nursing, I was like, no, I want to do design. And I stuck to it and I did it and it's carried me through. <laughs> and I'm so happy because it's been so great to be able to work from home and to, you know, if I'm on a Zoom call and I don't need to be on camera. I'll turn off my camera and take out my paint and, and paint and listen into the meeting. And it's just been so soothing. And I, I, I honestly, I'm just so grateful for design and for um, the ability to kind of jump back in in this way. I, I just love how you've shared about your art practice because I've always seen my art practice and my self-care practice and my spirituality practice as like so together, like intertwined, like there is no separation, but for my whole life, there always has been separation between those parts of me. And, um, I have a weekend painting practice that I've adopted this year. And I think it's helped me see and reflect on parts of me and just fulfill parts of me that maybe I'm not even conscious of in that moment. But what does your art practice look like right now? Like, you know, are you kind of creating structure around it or is it, you know, what is, what is your practice look like? Yeah. So for the first year I was just painting, <laughs> I just got some paint and I I did it. I think I did a couple workshops and things like that, but I just wanted to paint and I didn't really have any kind of focus or anything like that other than I just loved it. It brought me so much peace and that's why I was doing it. And I would say in the past three months or so, I've been a little bit more focused on, um, remembering and getting back into the fundamentals of drawing and painting. And so that's been a little bit more of my focus lately. And it's been great. I actually uh, saw, I cleaned up my art studio yesterday or day before yesterday. And I found this old painting that I did in January of a bottle brush, um, little branch of bottle brush, which is this really pretty uh red and and green it has these like red um almost like hairs on it and i looked at that and i looked at this iris that i painted the other day and i was like whoa this is amazing so much progress has been made and i've just been having mostly i've just been having fun um but i think recently as i've gotten back into the fundamentals and doing the practice of just drawing lines and circles and shapes and things like that. Um, it's really helped me to improve my, um, improve my skills. And I, I realized that I, 
there was a period of time where I was really a little bit disappointed that I had given up my art when I was younger and waited so long to get back into it. And then the other day, I just had this really beautiful insight after a meditation where it was like, no, everything that I've done up until this point, studying herbalism, going to the jungle, meeting all these amazing people, having all these amazing experiences, all of that is now a part of my artwork. And I think that's really, really special. So um, now I'm at a point where I'm I don't know what happened, but something hit me and I'm just like, I love flowers and I, I want, I'm really excited about uh, working with flower essences and painting those flowers and seeing what comes through. So that's where I'm at now. I love that so much. I, that's one of my more recent painting flower, like Carrie and I are just obsessed with like every weekend it's flowers when we paint. I mean, like, what is there more, anything more happy than painting flowers? Yeah, they're so beautiful and they're just, there's so many different kinds of flowers. And it just, to me, it makes me think of us and our bodies and how there's so many different ex- beautiful expressions of our bodies. And so when I see flowers, I'm, I, I see that beauty and it's just, they're amazing. They're absolutely magical. So ritual is coming, um, in the spring, uh, equinox and I'm really excited to kind of create this space where so many of the people in my life and that I've crossed paths with are just doing beautiful things that come together in many ways like we've been talking about this whole time where everything's interconnected and how do we um, care for those different parts of us, you know, our bodies, our spirit, our nervous systems, and our making practice. And so um, you are going to do a ritual. And I'm really, really excited about it. Carrie and I both just when we got your email about your particular ritual, we were just like, yes, like we are ready for this. I'm so excited about it. So the idea for this ritual actually came, the idea for the ritual actually came after I got back from the meditation retreat. And so I was just beaming and I was really focused on the heart and heart energy. And um, one of the rituals that I have for myself is to incorporate um flower, not flower essences, sorry, hydrosols or spirit waters into my drinking water. I am someone who kind of has difficulty with drinking plain water. (laughs) So I usually add some drops of rose water to my water and it's just, it's so delicious. And I really love to incorporate that into my meditations as well. So um, I have lavender, I have rose, and I have a few other hydrosols that I like to use. And a hydrosol is basically a steam distillation of a dried dried plant. Um, so rose water is a pretty common one. And so through steam distillation, you get, you, when you do it at home on your stovetop, you get a liquid that has a lot of essential oils from the plant in it as well. And it's a 
physical remedy, but it's also an energetic remedy. And I love, you can spray it on your face. You can add hydrosol to um, your drinking water. And it's just a really great way to connect with the plant, but also to receive a little bit of the medicinal benefits of the plant. So I'm excited because we are going to make a hydrosol in, um, in my ritual and we'll make a hydrosol that we can use for a meditation. And then you can, we'll do the meditation, focus on the heart space and creating from the heart, which has been a big focus for me in my artwork lately, especially like after I get out of meditation, oftentimes I'll have ideas about something that I want to paint or something that I want to create. And um, the plants help you to go a little bit deeper into that meditation. So we'll work with it in the meditation. And then um, I'll share just other ways that you can work with hydrosols in daily practices and rituals and things like that. Um, uh, like, for example, for me, I, I just like to add it to my drinking water and connect with the plants in that way. But I'm really excited about it because hydrosols are one, they're delicious. Um, you know, rose water, lavender water, or Tulsi basil water, whatever um, plant you decide to make your hydrosol with, they taste amazing. They add so much vibrance to whatever it is that you're drinking. Um, but then also they're really powerful um, allies for deep meditation and any part of the creative process. Um, no matter what it is that you're making, you can incorporate working with a hydrosol into that process. I love that. I'm so excited about it. Um, it's going to be a really special time. And again, I just feel really honored that you're going to be there. It feels very right. And so I put all the invitations out to the nine people and sent them out and crossed my fingers. I was like, I hope they're into it. And when I got your email, yes, I, yeah, it just, I was so excited. So thank you. I'm, we have some fun things. We're going to wait till kind of after this holiday couple weeks here, because I think everyone is overwhelmed just by the amount of stimulation that there is everywhere. But uh, we have some exciting things that we're working on. We're working on a guidebook that will go along with the retreat that Carrie and I are putting together, but we'll take little bits from the people that are, um, you know, teaching the rituals. So that'll be fun to talk about. Okay. So closing question is if you had a message for the world, what would it be? Trust yourself. I think the biggest, the biggest lesson that I've learned and just what's carried me through so much of my life and taken me down the right path at the right time and um, to really amazing experiences has been trusting myself and, um, you know, trusting myself that design was the right thing for me, trusting myself that I should be going to herb school, trusting myself that um, you know, even starting a business and trusting myself that I could stop, put a pause on business and, and trusting that I can take care of myself and I have the power to change my life and create a life that I love. Um, for a long time, trusting myself was not listening to other people when they were telling me what I should be eating for my body. 
and being able to find the right thing that worked for me. Um, there's so much power in being able to trust ourselves in our own process and, and the journey that we're creating for ourselves um, rather than always looking externally, um, looking within and trusting ourselves and trusting myself has been the most powerful thing that I've done um, in my whole journey. The biggest of thanks to Bright Collective members. You're directly supporting the development of the Making app, production of this podcast, and everything else we do here at Making. We're so full of gratitude and can't wait to share everything 2023 has to offer. I hope you'll join me each week as we talk and learn from more fascinating makers. For podcast notes and transcription, visit our blog at makingzine.com. Have a wonderful week.